1: Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RN Military History.
0: I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourers Bench. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fighting on Film. This week, we have something a little bit different for you. We are going to be talking about war in non-war movies. So this is something we've been talking about for over a year? It's got to be. It's one of the ideas we batted about early on for, like, a, a discussion show.
1: It's been in the on the FOF HQ. Like, we've got a list of things and ideas for shows. Yeah. I think
0: one of the early ones, yeah. Yeah. So I thought the other day, well i'll just throw it up on, up on twitter and see if this chimes with anyone else and see if they can think of any films that fit in within within this sort of concept of there's war in a film that isn't overtly a war film yes. so i i took that you know the famous um dunkirk sequence from atonement 2007 atonement um and, and put a little post out on on twitter uh, at fighting on film and um the response was insane. We got over 100 replies and according to Twitter uh, analytics, that tweet was seen over 40,000 times. Incredible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so out of those 100 replies, what we've done is we've compiled as many as we could, pulling them off uh, off Twitter and we've combined them. We've come up with a couple of our own and then we're, what we're going to do is we're going to run through all of them, uh, talk about them in brief and uh, and see what we make of the concept of War in non-war movies.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because some of these scenes, obviously, like the ones that we might talk about in more depth at the end. I think I think they're I think it's Forrest Gump's interpretation of Vietnam War. I think it's Atonement's uh, Dunkirk sequence and it's Cold Mountain's uh, Battle of the Crater, which is the siege yeah. of uh, Petersburg in, in the American Civil War. Um, and those for for us were the three standouts. And I know that Cold War was uh, Cold War <laughs> Cold Mountain. Was mentioned a lot, and bump yeah. was mentioned a few times, and so was uh, atonement. I think got got a lot of mentions. But there's um, there are some honorable mentions before we get to to analyzing those scenes in a little bit more depth. So let's start off with we had Sean O'Keefe was saying the Vietnam scene in Birdie is ace. Plus, it's a great movie.
0: And uh, it's a, it is an interesting movie. It's kind of like PTSD and 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 the psychiatric impact of war. Yeah, it is. It's um, and there's a short sequence where uh, uh,
1: one of the characters is sitting next to a Huey before a mm. napalm strike comes in, and there's lots of birds flying, um, and and that's quite it's quite a it's really a short scene. It's, it's, it's five less minutes? than a minute
0: more. I think is it yeah. a minute. Oh
1: blimey! It it's like it's
0: really short. It's just it just it creates that Vietnam mind space. I
1: think. Yeah, it does. It does. You get the smash Huey, the the, the man with his flak jacket on. Um, being wounded, but in cinema history, that that scene, that movie is quite interesting because it's one of the movies that gets Matthew Modine his role in Full Jacket. And we obviously know how how of popular course, that yeah. that goes on yeah. to be. But if you've read Full Metal Jacket Diary, which is Modine's, um, uh, well, the experience Modine had on working on that movie, mm. he mentions Birdie quite a lot. I think it's one of the movies that I think when he's talking about doing the auditioning, it is one of the films that gets him the role. Mm-hmm. um eventually in that and if you haven't read that book it's fantastic i'd recommend it but yeah it's a nice little sequence
0: dr grant uh, harwood suggested i watched spy drama zero dark 30 the other night um i didn't like it uh, it misrepresents the importance of torture in getting to the uh, to find bin laden the 2019 film the report shows the reality the raid on the compound at the end is very good however and yeah, I can I I watched the report with Adam Driver not long ago, and mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't really fit into this conversation because there isn't any real depiction of of the war itself. Right. It's it more recreates some of the the scenes of torture from the enhanced interrogation program that they were running. Mm-hmm. Um, and the film is based on a a real report that was done by Congress, um, or Senate, sorry, um, and it it showed that the the torture and interrogation methods that are um, an element of Zero Dark Thirty. And in reality, they didn't really get any results. But yeah. I, I liked, I liked uh, Zero Dark Thirty. I thought it was interesting as, as an early effort to tell that story. Mm. And the raid, raid sequence has genuine um, tension to it and is quite interesting.
1: Yeah, I remember that one being quite a big movie when it came out, actually.
0: It was, Yeah. Um,
1: so now we've got a uh, Nocker or Nurka Han Erk. sorry if we if we butchered your name there. Um but he says The Snows of Kilimanjaro starring Gregory Peck and Ava Gardner. Mm. A pretty good and realistic battle scene from the Spanish Civil War. And that one's really interesting because it just comes out of nowhere. He sort of it, Gregory Peck walks out of a room and then you're in Madrid in like 1936 yeah. or 1935. Yeah. It's um it's such a bizarre little the way it cuts but it's it's
0: quite a, quite a good battle sequence actually it, there's a lot of scale there i i hadn't seen the film so i sought it out and i i watched the elements of that mm. that that half an hour where it revolves around the spanish civil war is really interesting it's it's a um a love story and he's looking for uh eva gardner yep. who's uh working as an ambulance driver and Again, the most immersion
1: breaking dodge ambulance ever <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. Um, I'm just like
0: I did not. That's not correct. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't think can't I don't it. think um, Franco's forces had quite as many Vickers guns <laughs> no, as those lads did either. Vickers guns, yeah, yeah. And um, their weird no, it's a really, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> those. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's a really interesting uh, depiction of the war because there aren't that many depictions of the Spanish Civil War, mm. and that's probably like a, an early-ish one. But this is, it is an interesting one because you've got I think you've got men in
1: black caps, which would denote they're anarchists. And I thought that was quite interesting, um, even if the movie doesn't mean to it, it's representing a, you know, an, a battalion like that. And then also it's there's an, a representation of the American Lincoln Brigade. Um, I yes. assume it'd have to be. Um, yeah. And they're t- he's talking about. Um, you know, I was over in was it Washington or Detroit or somewhere? And he's like, now I'm over here. And mm-hmm. He's talking about like his process of
0: one of uh, Peck's it's a long comrades. story, and so it's a long story, and, yeah, it's quite interesting. And Peck talks about how he, he found himself in a war he didn't want to be in, and, and, and all yeah. this sort of thing really interesting the way people fall into conflict. And mm. well, the film I was trying to think of that predates this one is um, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, that's what that's i trying to think one. of, yeah.
1: Um,
0: but there aren't that many, and nice. as you said, um, Land of Freedom. Um, in ninety five is is the other big Western one. I think I can't think yeah, of any others. the only
1: major Western one. There's there's a few yeah. sp- Spanish movies that do yeah. deal with it. There's a uh, oh, I quite can't well. remember the movie's name now, but there's one about uh, female uh, fighters, mm. uh, which is I there's think one like that left. gives
0: a quite a good overview as well. Like a, I think mm. it's a mini series. Um, Simon Whippet uh, and uh, incidentally uh, History Age podcast uh, both suggested. Quite interestingly, the USS Indianapolis monologue from Jaws. Now you'll have to you'll have to fill them in on this
1: one, Matt, because I'm I have a phobia of sharks, so I couldn't even bring myself <laughs> to seek out. Simon said,
0: "No action, but impact." I'm not spoiling Jaws for you, Rob. Um, <laughs> well, but no, I think it's interesting it <laughs> that, that, that that monologue is so strong that right it, it comes across and fits into war in a non war movie. So now
1: we have uh, Ian Houston. He says the opening Civil War battle in Dances with
0: Wolves. Yeah, with Kevin Costner. hmm I, I think he's trying to like commit suicide. If I remember rightly, it's been a, quite a while since I saw Dances with Wolves, and he rides his horse towards Confederate lines. Yeah, and you were saying everyone follows him. <laughs> yeah, it kind of, yeah. it kind of, it, it, it becomes a bit inspirational. Um, yeah, it's an in- interesting film, Dances with Wolves. I think it's. Mm is it costner's first directorial debut uh, or, or film um but it's it's an interesting one because the way that they have that set up it's the classic lads lining a picket fence yeah there's a there's a civil war cannon like a, um and you know it's just a mirror image linear battle scene yeah kind of thing and then he, lot- he rides through it it's
1: a lot of these civil war sequences we've watched for this episode, they all they blur into one
0: after a while. Don't That's they? true, actually. Yeah, with Col Mountain and um, uh, Free State Jones. Jones. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then we have uh, Miguel uh, Rabidus, who said, "Legend of the Fall not getting enough love here." And there's a great sequence in that where, where Brad Pitt uh, scalps a German machine gun team, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's not something I ever thought I'd ever see on camera. <laughs>
0: No, it's it's quite um, it's quite a scene. So uh, that that that's the most famous element of it of the film, isn't it? Um, He's I I suppose he's a Canadian Tommy, and um, he sees his friend who's caught in some wire (laughs) get shot by an MG eight. Absolutely, it's him. Yeah. Yeah, and he happens to be behind this machine gun position in a wood, charges it and. Shoots the gunners and then he goes out. Um, in No Man's Land. After. Yeah, another yeah. machine gun team.
1: Yeah, it was interesting to see Brad Pitt in like World War I uniform because
0: I just hadn't seen him in it. It's probably a the only Fury. time you'll ever see it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. He comes up again, Brad Pitt, I think, doesn't he, in this episode? And he
0: does. Uh, Jonas yeah. Grumby suggested Benjamin Button. Um, there we go. I recall an Allied convoy scene headed to Mamansk where it was attacked. And yeah. I Don't think I've ever seen Benjamin Button. It passed but, me by when it came out, yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I watched that scene and I thought, oh, that's really interesting. He's, he's on like a trawler, like, um, it seems to be like a small trawler, mm. and they attack the U boat. Um, it's quite a, quite a spectacular well, well a sequence, actually. Yeah, I thought it was more and, interesting just because it represents Maman's convoys, exactly. Yeah, that's see. what I was going to say too, because, yeah, yeah when when have we had another on-screen depiction of, you know, the the Arctic convoys? Arctic convoys, yeah, yeah exactly. of the Arctic convoys. Yeah,
1: because that's another thing as well with these sequences we're talking about. I know we're not going into massive depth just yet, but it is important where some of these scenes, they, they might be the only depiction they have in cinema yeah. at, to date at the time of recording. So it is important, so obviously, that, they, that these things get representation. I know, like, last week, I went off on one about, revolutionary development car trade teams when we talked about hamburger hill mm-hmm. but because it's such a small thing and and it but it's important historically it is nice to when you find these clips of from movies that have the representation of even something very very small or something yeah. very very big and important like the, the atlantic convoys it is nice to that they have their their day in the their day in the spotlight it's it's good
0: and benjamin button's uh, th- a film that you wouldn't expect to see it in.
1: No, exactly. No, not at all. Um, Uh, speaking of,
0: sorry, I was going to say, speaking of, um, films that show conflicts that you don't often see depicted. Yeah. Ian McClellan, uh, suggested, uh, there's some good pike and shot type battle sequences in Captain Alatris, uh, the Spanish musketeer. I described the movie as a romantic adventure story. And yeah, I think, I think Ian's right there. It's based on some novels, um, but it's set during the 80 Years' War uh, mm-hmm. for Dutch independence and, and Spanish control of the, the Netherlands, et cetera. Um, not something I know a great deal about, that's for sure. No, me neither. Probably not many films are set during that period. No, not but, at all. Um, Rob hadn't seen that sequence, so I I, I showed him uh, yesterday, didn't I? And, and it really is like an interesting. Yeah, form of it's warfare very... that is never really depicted. No, it's you, you get know, you push know, you of get, pike and such.
1: Yeah, pushing pike, you get men getting right into it with the hand to hand combat. Uh, men yeah. with this is it would be muskets off flintlocks, isn't it? That that
0: period, uh, matchlocks, yeah,
1: matchlocks, sorry, yeah. Um, I and the people firing that, and there's just a lot of re- good representation again. And it, you know, me and Matt were saying it, again, like, there, there's not any. You'd expect something like that maybe from an English Civil War movie, but there just don't yeah. seem to be any or any real attempts yet at that war. That, that, that's another
0: question well, for another well, day. I think the closest we've got is is Cromwell with Richard Harris.
1: Yeah, and there's, there was a film uh, with uh, Rhys Shearsmith called a Field in England,
0: but I don't even think that shows That's the, That's a very battle. small scale yeah. sort of thing. But yes, it is Yeah, English Civil War set, definitely. But yeah, I think Captain Alatrist is a really interesting film because it's, it depicts the tertio um, at the Battle of Recroy that refused to surrender. It, it It's a really uh, interesting climax to an adventure film.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: it's a very, very good visceral sequence there.
1: And then moving on to uh, At Service Charged, he said, Liam Neeson in Michael Collins, 1996, has some good depictions of the Irish War of Independence and the Civil War. And that movie opens with... The Easter Uprising at the post office, um, and it's only a, maybe like a, a minute or two of, mm. of, of screen time, but but it was very like well done and look holds up very well. Um, and you you just don't see you don't have it. We have hardly any on-screen depictions of, of the
0: uprising. Um, I think there aren't many. But yeah, I mean, there's only a handful of films in total that deal with that period of Irish history. You know. With, mm when the shakes the barley and, and those kind yeah. of movies. There's and, a lot
1: of like social films about mm. the troubles and about that period, but there aren't any that really directly
0: address the fighting as much. So when no, you it's see true. Him, it, and it is uh, I suppose Michael Collins is, is a pretty straight um, biopic yeah. Uh, in terms of it's Liam Neeson as, as Michael Collins. And um, it's, it, it starts off with Easter Rising and then, Shows uh, the aftermath of that and how they yep. move towards, um, you know, the attempt uh, political uh, negotiations, etc. Yeah. Conflict breaks out again, and there's there's throughout the film there's little sequences of of action, um, mm. but that opening is really powerful because Very. you know it, it recreates the inside of the the, the devastated post office and there's lads mm. firing out the windows. I think yeah. Liam Neeson's got a broom handle Mauser. Yeah, it does. It's it, it's your
1: it's as if you're coming into the the siege at the end of the siege. Mm, yes. So it's an interesting way of doing it. You not you don't get the full context of of the mm. why. It just shows you what's happening, which is an interesting way of doing it. And I, it's a great little sequence. It's something that you wish you would see. That they'd have just done more of because it looked it was very tight, very well shot. Mm. Um, a lot going on. It captured, it captured what you 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 would imagine. The essence of, it of to what you like, yeah. yeah, exactly. It did that fantastically, and then moving on to Tom Seston who I think had the funniest uh, comment <laughs> of the of the uh, the thread when he said the war scenes in the romantic drama Pearl Harbor were really good. <laughs> 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 we thought that was fantastic. I mean, you—if you've listened to our uh, our live uh, we did with Woody of World War II TV over Christmas last year about Pearl Harbor on film, um, <laughs> it's unfortunate because Pearl Harbor itself not a great movie, but there are just snippets of action elements in that film of it work, yeah, that just work. It, 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 there's, I think we came we came to the conclusion that if you if you cut about a five minute six minute slice of action out of the um, the harbor scenes at the end, then it's worth it. But the the
0: ensuing couple of hours just isn't isn't worth anything really. No, no. And that's an interesting one in that it it highlights that blur of how you mm. interpret war in non-war movies. Like so many films are set during the war, or and then you can you can sort of um, differentiate that as films with against the backdrop of war. Where the yeah. war is going on, but it doesn't actually impact on the characters. Mm. Um, they aren't driving the story of the conflict.
1: That's it. The war we got is in-
0: impacting on them, that sort of thing. Cause we got into it when we're not recording, we we got into it
1: about um Empire of the Sun. Yeah. Yeah. that was like, That's a good war film. That's a good film, isn't it? I said, Well it's not a war film, is it? It's a prisoner of war movie. It's in its own subgenre. Well, I we said got... it. I said it was a um, the, it was war in a non-war movie. Yes, I, no, I, I just Matt's felt... right, but I I just see it as a. It's almost like a coming of age film as well. Like there's yeah. a lot, there's a lot in that film actually. Maybe we should cover it though. It's, it's a great
0: one. I, I was talking to someone on Twitter. I forget who it was. Now I don't seem to have it in the notes. Um, but someone suggested uh, Paths of Glory, the Kubrick movie. Yes. Yes, and that is another one where genres warp, and it becomes mm. a courtroom drama around men accused of cowardice. Mm. And, but there's so many films like that. There's like Sergeant Rutledge, Rules of Engagement. Hearts. War? I mean, we could when do we could that? do a month on military courtroom because yeah movies, <laughs> and they all invariably have some fighting in them. Yeah, they do some more than they others. Have sequences, at least. Yeah, I think most people would would say that Paths of Glory is a war movie. I would and go there. I'd go there as just well. Just because that sequence in the opening is so effective. But then you could oh, say that great. about um you could say that about Cold Mountain perhaps.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess you could. I mean the, the majority of the movie I mean I'm not movie... going I'm
0: not going to put Cold Mountain and Paths of Glory. No, of course not. Tier, but there's
1: no but the, in the sense of that there's no direct, you know, the main characters aren't necessarily soldiers all the way through. Well, they're not in combat situations, but it is set in a war. It's very, this is the thing with this episode, it's very hard to pin it sometimes. It's quite fluid yeah. in the
0: definition, I think.
1: So, moving on to the next thing, and that actually brings it in to the, our next suggestion is from um, Jenny Grant. So, it's in Polish. You might remember her from our 303 Squadron episode about the Polish uh, fighter pilots. um he, She says, uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, unless that actually is a war film. What do you think, Matt? Fantasy movie. Yeah. But, it's...
0: It's a, but then it has all of the the, the World War One influence and love and Tolkien and stuff, doesn't it? And there's so a lot of playing into it. There
1: is a battle going on, you know, the, the battle between is, it's, it's man co- and It's the, a conflict. Yeah, it's um, a conflict. It's interesting, isn't it? It's like, how far do you go with the concept? I mean, is Star Wars a war movie? Well, it's set, set during the Galactic War, isn't it? Between yeah. the Empire and the rebels I, I would argue so... that
0: Star Wars is the series of star wars movies about an insurgency
1: yeah is i think what it you're is? right yeah yeah and um and lucas based them on like see like the sort of adventure war serials that you watched in the 60s and on replay. yeah he pulled a lot from all sorts of different things yeah, yeah and we obviously that the, um, the trench run is is directly influenced by a 636 squadron so mm, yes th- there is a lot of parallels there but no i think maybe lord of the rings you can you can interpret a lot of that
0: being influenced heavily by. But is it war in a non-war movie then? Yeah, I mean, maybe the, the you know the battle for Helms Deep. I th- I think actually, when you think about it, perhaps, it, well, it is a trilogy. If you take yes. the first three movies, um, if we if we're solely talking about the films, that is not the the books, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, then it, the first film isn't really a war movie. No, it's more of a road film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The second and third have more elements of conflict in them.
1: Yeah, they do. Actually, you're yeah, right there.
0: Actually, yes,
1: yeah, so, because it's just not a, a genre of movie or, or a type of film we've talked about before. So it is interesting. No, to it isn't. No, no. like them, um, and then we had the uh, Doctor Grant uh, Harwood again. Uh, he said, uh, "Stanley Kubrick poured on a
0: uh, quite he a did. few good suggestions and came up with the the hashtag uh, #hashtag WIN <laughs> I win, know, I was, trying, I, was, I was going to do it phonetically, but then I thought, no, that's going to sound weird. Um, war in non-war movies. Um, thank you for that, Grant. Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon from
1: 1975 comes to mind. Uh, a yeah. great
0: ASEAN... Enchant. yeah. I, mean, I, can't, I can't speak. It's, it, it, it's that 1700s, linear warfare. Yes. Um, it's very it, yeah, good. set during the Seven Years' War, isn't it? Um, yes, another war that gets barely any love indeed definitely and Mm. this is probably one of the most prominent depictions of the seven years war on screen i think british grenadiers Um,
1: it's oh such a great yeah it's
0: really it's a lovely little sequence what i like about that sequence is the narrator describes it as a battle that you'll not find in the pages of history good isn't it it's a it's a let off from you know (laughs) this isn't historically and gone but it's a representation of the conflict that barry's finding himself in so it's really interesting i think
1: uh, then he said, "Big Fish" uh, in two thousand and three. Tim Burton's mythical depiction of airborne drop behind enemy lines. That sequence is bizarre
0: to say the least. Yeah, and during the Korean War. <laughs> during the Korean War, which is a very, it's um involves a uh, North Korean ventriloquist uh, and yep. a, a conjoined pair of lady opera twins, opera singer.
1: Yeah, yeah, or, doing doing um... a,
0: a musical number. It's as you McGregor floats in, um. yeah, it has a <laughs>
1: has like a in the dark cartoon style fist fight with two yes. North Korean guards. It's very Definitely bizarre. Definitely an odd one. It's maybe th- maybe like a two minute long sequence.
0: It's interesting. Uh, he suggested he said, a, um, another one that, that might be a bit of a debate. Uh, he says the almost criminally underrated The Four Feathers remake. The effort to relieve uh, General Gordon. And the breaking of the square is a fantastic bit. The breaking of the square part yeah, of that film I, I is good. It, that, that is fantastic. That bit's very, very good. Um, um, visually, I don't know whether yeah. historically um, it's the most accurate depiction of. No. My friends like are extras that. in that
1: one, actually. Oh, really? That's right. Really my, cool. my buddies are, uh, were extras in it. Um, yeah, you can pick some of them out in during the uh, the scenes where they're getting on the ship to, to leave and things, um, which is nice. quite nice. Yeah, Again, yes. that's a period that
0: just isn't depicted very often.
1: Hardly ever, you know. You get yeah. the long, the long Lee Lee Enfield action, or the Lee Metford's in it. I think I can't remember what they're using at the yeah, time. Yeah, I though. think
0: they are. I think they're, I think they're Lee Metford's in the uh, the original Four Feathers, and I think they're Martinis in this one. That you could do a whole, we could do a whole month on the Four Feathers adaptations. Okay. Again, yeah. Um, <laughs> Four Feathers yeah, I, February I...
1: next year on final <laughs> <Down. laughs>
0: film. Four Feathers February, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> But again, it's again. You could debate that that isn't a war movie; it's more of an adventure film. But still, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it fits within the war in a non-war movie. Yeah, it does. Just... Definitely does. Because
1: there's, there's definitely mili- military elements and war elements mm. in that film. Mm. It's, uh, I always imagined that in my head before I went and rewatched the sequence again. I thought it was a strict war film, but it's not really. Mm. Um, then we've got uh, Andrew Corbett who says bedknobs and broomsticks. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely war in, uh, and that movie is set during the Second World War. So, and there's a big, you know, at the end you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen. There's a fantastic sequence at the end where you've got, um, I can never remember the actress's blooming name now. Is it Angela Lansbury? Angela Lansbury um, yeah. fighting a, and and like an animated. Uh, suit of armor, and then the 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 Jerry's come in off of a U boat, and they start shooting all these like moving art, like sets of armor and stuff, and it's just bizarre. Yeah. But it's that Disney charm about it. It's and... great.
0: They empty out like a, an old uh, military museum, and, and all the arms yeah. and armor come out. And there's a um, lots of comedic bits where uh, like a full plate um, armor knight gets riddled mm. by MG forty two yes he's, he's given a, a full 250 round rounds there rob <laughs> yeah massive, uh, massive one there, yeah um, and uh he empties out his his boot and all the rounds yeah it's great it's, a, it's really it's cool i, I love that as a kid i really yeah did. it's a
1: great film and there's also a thing um, me and my, my wife mentioned it a lot actually um there's a sequence in the movie where they there's this sort of like a dance sequence in, in a market in London, yeah, yeah, um, and there's some really good representation of all the elements of the British Empire who were fighting, yeah, it's in like in or cool somewhere like that, isn't it? Yeah, and there's there's sailors, there's uh Afro Caribbean, I think there's, there's Polish uh soldiers like represented, there's just a lot of really nice Allied representation in this little little mm-hmm. part of the movie, is it? I think yeah. it's really. That's another thing to commend that movie on because it's. I wasn't expecting it in a in a a, let alone a Disney film, but let alone a kids movie. So it was nice to have the inclusion, and you get Home Guard represented, which is
0: you do. Although it's again, it's a bit of a pastiche. It's a bit of a pastiche, but they're in there, I guess. So it's um, it's something. On another comedic level, we've got from Benji Lee, Uh, he suggested Biggles the movie. Do you want to be a
1: hero? Hero. (laughs) Love that film.
0: who can argue with a yes soundtrack? Um, <laughs> it is great. I love that movie. Like, I can't it's wait. So to cover it. I it's so weird. When we bizarre. when we eventually do it, it's going to be a weird episode. But yes, um, it's, big old... it's up there with Gunbus, which is another weird. <laughs> like, is, why yeah. are they making these odd eighties movies where like there's time travel elements and weird steampunk zeppelins it's great. stuff? But it's the
1: odd. section set on the Western Front though is is quite well done. I think actually yeah i mean much for the, better than it needs to hmm, be yeah no that's fair it could have been a and, lot worse and it could have been and the alley tally on that episode would be fantastic yeah, yeah all those sterlings yeah yes. yeah, yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> it's really good i always imagine that the thing that they should have done with biggles and i think rick Mal wasn't old enough yet to do it but if it had been rick Mal as biggles then i
0: think that movie would have been perhaps a lot more yeah
1: a lot better remembered
0: maybe it, yeah it would it, it probably would have taken on a bit more of a, a cult although perhaps. it is it, it is, is cult a cult Holland, film but, anyway yeah.
1: but i think he would have because obviously he's flash art isn't he as well so that might have really worked if that had got in serve so said don't all shout at once cold mountain
0: 2003 but we'll we'll, we'll we'll get on to that one later we'll come back to that one
1: yeah that was suggested uh, that was by suggested you, actually.
0: by yeah it was it was uh uh, lester j bandito and, and dan fettle also suggested cold mountain mm-hmm. and i think there were a couple of others as well if we mm. don't if we don't um mention your suggestion we do apologize but there were as i said a hundred replies and twitter is notoriously awful to pull things from <laughs> i know the number of times my browser decided oh no i'll just refresh oh, it's like, no is isn't it please yeah, no yeah. i'm at the bottom i'm near the bottom of the list <laughs> of twitter don't do this to me
1: hello robbie here did you know you can support the podcast on patreon Join the supporting cast today and gain access to exclusive perks such as discount codes, our monthly Patreon film votes and the chance to get exclusive merchandise before anyone else. Search Fighting on Film on Patreon or find the link on our website. Thank you. Now back to the show.
0: Kerry Thomas suggested, uh, does the English patient count? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Directed
1: by the same director as uh, Cold Mountain, actually.
0: Nice little tidbit. Yeah, there. you mentioned that before we started recording. Mm, and I didn't know that yeah. at all. That's really interesting.
1: Jen Forster, who said the short war scenes in The Quiet American provide a brilliant insight into the changing war in Indochina slash Vietnam
0: and the US involvement. Absolutely then, agree, Jen. 100%. I, that was one of the ones that came to my mind as well when I started thinking about this. Mm. um Brendan Fraser, Michael Caine. Um, yeah. Really, really like that adaptation of the book, actually. I think it really works. Oh, yeah, it's it's an interesting film. There's some really tense sequences where they're on patrol with Michael Caine's a journalist and he's embedding with some uh, French uh, paratroops. Yeah, it's great, a great little section. You know, mm. then th- the
1: there's hardly any. This is a thing that me and Matt was saying as well. In terms of the Vietnam War, US involvement, obviously you've got a plethora of movies. But in terms of French involvement in Indochina, yeah, the Indochina War, War is just it's nothing. It's Indian yeah. film ninety two, and that movie is fantastic. It's an incredible movie, but, you know. It's can't wait to cover it, but th- there's hardly anything. So for the fact this movie does its mm. own, does its its thing, and shows you them there, it's
0: good. Uh, next up, we had a suggestion from uh, Russell Burgess, and he suggested the battle at the start of Gladiator is pretty good, pretty um, decent. Yeah, if you if you keep an eye out for the the extra wearing jeans, it gives you an extra bit of fun um but it's yeah it's 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 another one of those sequences which establish the time period the film is going to be in and does some context laying doesn't it yes i agree it's and it, from what i remember of it it's very um the scale is fantastic i haven't seen gladiator in god it must be like 15 years
1: yeah i think i watched it when i was at uni last but i remember the opening section being very grand and, and it does mm. set you up doesn't it um They don't make movies like that anymore, really, do they? Then we have Peter um, Spez, Spez Baby on uh, Twitter. He said Wonder Woman. (laughs) I know you've got a lot to say about that section, Matt.
0: (laughs) I hadn't seen it. And then Rob made me watch it and I hate it so much. (laughs) There's there's so much in that I hate. Like she's literally playing the part of a tank. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's so bad. It's just cringe. It looks awful. Yeah, I yeah, I hated it.
1: Me and Matt will will admit to all the listeners that we're sort of over superhero movies now. Um, I think they're a bit oversaturated. They're a bit overdone. We think it's weird. And I think it's odd that DC DC decide to put their movies directly in the war, whereas uh, Marvel sort of side-skirted it in um, Civil War. Captain America, sorry. They sort of side-skirted it a little bit, where they alluded to him being part of the conflict, but they didn't actually show it. And I just thought it was a bit weird that this one really did set it in because then it opened up a wider discussion with me and Matt about um, not only representation, but is this fair historically because all those men that are dying and fighting, are they the real people who are in that section of trench, Is this actually meant to have happened? And of course, in the canon of Wonder Woman, yes. But in the wider scale of talking about representations of history, is that fair?
0: Yeah, there's a whole debate you could have. I mean... uh, I mean we recently did um the The Kingsman, uh, yes. which is another World War One set movie, and to their credit, they don't have like a ridiculous, stupid sequence where one where Ralph Finds like just charges through a load of Germans and yeah, hits them with, which we were with a shield that it, and stuff.
1: It would, but then it didn't. Yeah. You know, like there is a sequence in that film with I mean that could have gone on this list actually, the the the, the trench raid scene. Um mm-hmm. In Kingsman is is like that, but it's set within two factions fighting the war, and it's not got it's got Kingsman editing elements, but it's not got you're not putting in a superhero doing yeah. superhero things in a war. Which
0: I mean, me again, when we aren't cheap. strictly a war movie podcast. We we cover we cover fighting and conflict, and basically anything that kind of fits into the loose. Um, yes definition that we we have but you know if we if we find it interesting it's often worth a chat but mm. i just could not i i and just sat there just cringing either. with with mm. uh, wonder
1: woman um it's just there's lots of weird editing choices in that section yeah as well. it like just it, it seems so
0: dated although it's only like three four years old yeah
1: yeah you're right that's another thing another thing to mention uh, then we have a uh, philip Amaral who says the battle of ham i can never say this one ham atra is that right?
0: Hamonaptra, Hamm- a- yeah. Hamm- yeah. Uh,
1: where Rick O'Connell, played by our favourite mummy killer, Brendan
0: Fraser, is a captain of the legendary <laughs> French foreign legion in The Mummy, 1999. Adored that movie as a kid. Adored it. Um, no one has looked cooler on screen dual-wielding pistols than Brendan Fraser does in that film. He does look great in it, doesn't he? And he's
1: got his... When he's firing his Lebel, he's got his rounds oh, in his mouth. Oh, it's yeah. a great little
0: sequence. It's so it's good. Not, yeah it, it, I think... and it clearly it's like it's coming off the back of films like both guest and uh march or die yeah those classic legionnaire films where they've taken a little bit of inspiration from that and you get a little set piece desert battle with mm. um they aren't the riff in this film but they're they're riffing off the riff basically yeah exactly um, uh but yeah it's such
1: a great little opening sequence it really it, is it's a it's it, a it's just a cool little action sequence, really well done, really tight. You got not a real re- conflict either. Not a real conflict, so no.
0: Doesn't really make it a war movie. So it definitely fits within that war mm. conflict in a non-war movie. I it's think. Just a great little sequence. And
1: when Brendan Fraser he gets to do his action sort of hero thing. And it's mm-hmm. um it's just it's just a lovely little sequence. But I I'd never really seen that movie till I was in my
0: 20s so it's not for me it's not one of those childhood movies um, yeah, yeah it's a great little sequence though uh david moore suggests dr shivago and the jewelists um, right, i have not seen would, either that's terrible but um <laughs> i know right <laughs> dr shivago is um is an amazing piece of filmmaking i think but i will admit it is it is a good ooh, maybe five ten years since i've actually sat down and watched the whole thing Yes, and it's set during the Russian um, Revolution and Civil War, and it, yeah, I would agree that it's not really a war movie. It's more of, a, of an epic tale of one man's life, and there's a love element in there, and there's a little bit mm. of historical context and background. It's it's like a historical piece. It's it's very similar to Lawrence of Arabia, Lean's um, earlier movie, right. But the Jewelists, now—that's definitely a um, interesting movie to talk about. So you watched the Jewels, right? I sent you the video. I saw of the, some of the, the jewels. jewels.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It looks good. Like it's um, Harvey Keitel and uh, Keith Carradine. Yeah. Um, in the the Napoleonic era, um, but it's not necessarily like in a Napoleonic war movie. And they 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 get ticked off by one another, and they just have these series of <laughs> jewels. It's they like...
0: do. There's there's a there's um, honor needs to be satisfied. And, and see, then they yeah. just spend the next 10 years, every time they encounter one another in one of Napoleon's sprawling campaigns across Europe, they go, jewel. And they both look at each other and go, jewel. So they end up having a jewel. Do they? Um, do no, they, they don't. Know? They don't really do that, but it's, it's kind of they do. They sound that. like some sort of like weird Western. Like- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they end up fighting on horseback with pistols, with sabers, um, yeah, with short swords, it's very um, impressive sequences. And it's a beautifully shot film. There's a really visceral bit that depicts the retreat from Moscow instead of dueling, because they're both frozen, Rob, and they're, they're, they're both cavalrymen. They're, their horses are dead. They're basically crawling across the, the Russian steppe during deep winter. And then Cossacks yeah. appear and they set aside their conflict, personal vendetta for a moment and fight off these Cossacks. Um mm. And it's a really interesting study of honor and, and the ridiculousness of that um, satisfaction of of honor and pride and stuff. It's it's an interesting movie, definitely. And David right. is actually um, the person who suggested Paths of Glory that I, I couldn't I couldn't remember who'd mentioned it. Oh, well, there you go then. Um, as well, so a couple of really good and interesting suggestions from David there. So I suppose before we get into the the most common three though, that were mentioned and and some of our favourites as well, I'll. I'll just run through a couple of the other suggestions that people made that we haven't had a chance to speak about in more depth. Sure, Kevin Hookfield suggested the backdrop to *The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly*, which absolutely that bridge scene. Um, That's good. Where there's a battle and you you get um, quite a bit of scale that you don't anticipate uh, is is an impactful. One, uh, Peter, A.K.A. Skeeter, A.K.A. Spares Baby. That's quite the quite the handle. Quite a time. <laughs> suggests uh legends of the fall again and also ran by kurosama and wonder woman so that's a quite a quite a variation there yeah yeah um uh jack prius uh suggests free state of jones uh, which is another one of those civil war movies which has uh, a bit of a battle sequence in there one or two i think yep. not, bad, uh, not bad ken corrigan suggested the water divine in australia which Definitely has war in it, again, it's that backdrop of war, um, but it's war in a non war movie. I would definitely say a few other people suggesting a very long engagement, uh, and then Colin Taylor suggests uh, the French film of Wall Hat. And then we had uh, a couple of interesting ones we had the depiction of the Battle of Jenkins Ferry at the beginning of uh, Lincoln, which is literally 20 30 seconds, but very 30,
1: 40 seconds, but very impactful.
0: Yeah, Sean Chambers suggested that one. Uh, another Civil War one, uh, Counterpoint 01 suggested Gone with the Wind, which is, yeah. yeah, I can definitely go with that. Dave Harris rounded out with the bombing scene uh, of Dresden in Slaughterhouse-Five, the adaptation. Some fantastic suggestions. I think you're right. Yeah, some really good ones. I think we've covered most them there, but as I said, if we missed yours, do apologise.
1: Yeah, that's the thing again. Like every time we put out a, a, a request from you guys for suggestions for something or another we're always astounded with the response we get and it's it's amazing so i mean there's a couple of uh honorable mentions for us i know that both of us we we picked out the devil's own um shootout right at the start of the movie
0: just because it's yeah, it's yeah. an anomaly it within is. that genre interesting 90s movie about the ira and that's a brad pitt movie with with harrison ford and yeah there's a there's a Quite a big shootout at the beginning of that film where um some IRA uh members shoot it out with what looks like a whole company of British troops and it starts yeah. off with some guys I assume are like special branch or sas, I think, um are following them and, and they lead them into a bit of an ambush. Yeah, and it is a very it's
1: an interesting little shootout because you don't get many set within that period really. You don't no. think of of that and the fact is, it is set in 92 it's not set in the 70s or the
0: 60s exactly so and it was to, made in 97 which is yeah you know, good good friday agreement right there yeah um, it's a very interesting depiction um but it's just an
1: interesting one because there's saracens there's a c80s yeah there's mac 10 there's a lot the of on display.
0: In, in that kind of top one, context
1: one of the few yeah just it's just an, an
0: interesting little sequence of a movie there that was one that i wanted to mention what about you matt I mean, we've covered a lot of the ones I came up with. I, um, the Quiet American was one I thought of, and mm-hmm. the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly sequences were was another because you get a whole. There's a prison yard sequence, and then there's um, lots of. It's against the backdrop of the Civil War, so you get lots of destroyed little uh, towns, and there's railheads and deserters being shot, and it's it's a very interesting backdrop. If In terms of, of um, those spaghetti westerns, it's a much more populated world than you get with his other earlier films. Um, Sergio Leone's earlier spaghetti westerns, like a few dollars more, et cetera. Um,
1: I, there was one for me that it's not, it's not a massive segment. I think it's maybe like 10 seconds, 20 seconds of screen time, but it always, as, as something where I, where I felt like a war scene didn't really work, was in the uh, Winnie the Pooh reboot. From like 20s, I want to say 2016, 2017. Right. The Christopher Robin movie. Yeah, that's it. Christopher Robin with uh, with you McGregor. And there's a very short segment where he's in, I assume it's meant to be like France in like 1940 or 44, and right. he's like sheltering behind the like some cover with a rifle. It just seems a bit out of place. <laughs> like it's a mm. very weird. I know that I was watched a I watched like a like a press junket thing for it. And they were saying, Oh, it's about how Christopher Robins changed by the, the what his experiences are in the war and stuff. Yeah. But yet in the movie, there's maybe like 10, 30 seconds of him
0: out there. And for me, it just felt like an odd an odd thing to include. That's all they must have just felt like they needed something to signpost that he yeah, was, I agree. You know, he was involved in the war and that kind of thing, I guess. But no, I haven't seen that one.
1: No, it's an odd one, isn't it? It's just for me, it was an odd sequence. So moving on to talking about the big three now these were ones that were mentioned quite a lot or got a lot of reaction when we mentioned them so we thought we'd talk about them in a little more depth
0: do you want to start with Forrest Gump because it's your favorite out of the list Rob
1: 1994's Forrest Gump Tom Hanks uh, directed by Rob Robert Zemeckis Um, for me it's like a really formative movie watched Mm. it when I was quite young it's always stuck with me I think the story is really like about human endurance and Human spirit. I think it's a really great film um, on its own, but great performance from
0: Tom as well. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like it. Ninety four seems to be like a really strong movie year for movies. But yeah, there's a great Vietnam War sequence in it. So it's it starts in nineteen sixty seven where, where Forrest is going to uh, the Mekong Delta with Bubba in the 9th Infantry Division. Uh, it's the, the Vietnam sequences were filmed in uh, Hunting Island State Park in South California, um, and then you get this really weirdly like sort of like a slice of the Vietnam War in like 17 minutes. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. It's an impressive it sequence. Hits all the beats, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's and it's cliched, I think, even though I was reading some, um, like making of documentary, uh, watching some making of documentaries and you've got Tom Hanks and, and Robert Zemeckis saying, oh, well, we're, you know, we're trying to not do a cliched version of the war. And there's a direct quote from Hanks where he, he says, um, we never wanted to do the tabloid pastiche of history if we're going to invest in the idea of being in Vietnam we had to do Vietnam right but then you have like Fortunate Son as you come down it's all of the all tropes, the Hueys, all the tropes <laughs> are in there you got the every man's got a nickname you know, you've know, you got oh there's Dallas he was from Phoenix and oh there's Tex and oh, I don't know where Tex was from it's sort of you get all <laughs> the it's great dialogue it's funny but it's a very cliche and I think this possibly is a film that's responsible for fortunate Son"
0: being so um
1: yes for the war perhaps
0: it does i i um does it feature any others is it in apocalypse now i can't remember no i can't either um there's an episode all on its own the tracing back the the link of fortunate son to the vietnam war in war movies yeah gosh (laughs) um But yeah, I I, I totally agree. I think what it does is it comes off the back of that big glut of 80s war movies, Vietnam war movies. And Mm. despite what Tom says, it it does kind of you could if you're being generous, you could say it hits the beats or if you're not being in a generous (laughs) mood, you could say it hits all the tropes uh, of of that conflict. You've got guys going through rice paddies. um, You've got airstrikes. You have napalm. You've got the classic mu- music of the period—it crams in like five songs into that one yeah, little in section, space doesn't like it? Seventeen minutes, yeah. Like all the leaves are brown and, and yeah. things like that. It's, um... or it does it so well. It does it, it, and it it fits within that sphere of the film. I think it the the, yeah. the 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 tone of it fits within the rest of the the historical elements they try and bring in throughout the rest of the movie too. Because yeah, it does that's what one of the the hooks of that movie is he finds himself in all sorts of positions mm-hmm. and the dialogue as you said is really great so you know you've got um the bit where he talks about all the different types of rain you know yeah um, big points where the rain <laughs> yeah, that comes up it. from below and stuff
1: yeah it's great then you get all the visual representations of it and then you just get some Great dialogue where he's going through all his friends' names, like in the platoon, and then mm-hmm. uh, Lieutenant Dan tells him to be quiet, and he starts whispering. I always found that really funny. Like he's <laughs> the voiceover. Like why is he whispering? It's yeah. like great little sequence. But the the ambush scene where where Gump goes on to win the Medal of Honor um, for mm-hmm. saving all the, the chaps from the napalm strike. That's a really well shot little ambush it sequence. Is. Yeah, like it's far far better than it has to be. um and you've got like, you know, unseen VC shooting them from, from the tree line and mm-hmm. they're all getting blown to buggery. And there's a really, really brutal, visceral uh, explosion that kills the M60
0: gunners. Um, yes. And that's really, yeah, and that's amazing. and it's so interesting to see how they actually did that with the visual effects. Yeah, the, we found uh, a, a making of documentary. The scenes, yeah.
1: And they, they used like, pulled the men away with ropes without the explosion, then overlaid an explosion on top. And just the way that, the way that, CG was used in that movie. It's, it's seamless
0: now. It just it holds up so well. It does age as well, doesn't it? I mean, mm. I was I was fascinated to find out that the helicopters in that opening establishing shot, where they pan over the camp, um, yep. was, was done by visual visually stitching in uh, the four that they actually had that that flew past. They mm. got all the shots of it and they stitched it in. But then at the same time, the F4s that dropped the napalm were CG early CG, Hmm.
1: but it all looks so good. It's it's that whole thing of '90s CG holding up better than perhaps CG now because it's used so sparingly and there's more time put into it, perhaps. But no, that's I think for me, it's this one of the strongest um, war sequences in a non-war film because it's so good. Oh, I agree. Yes, it's a bit cliched. I mean, and it's it crams some. How many people suggested Forrest Gump? We had about six six or seven Seven people yeah (laughs) it's for me it's it's one of the best so matt do you want to go through atonement because it was your one of your big picks
0: well that's the one that jumped out at me um first and foremost when i was thinking about the concept and i just think that sequence of them reaching the beach and then that tracking shot that just follows them steady cam through all of those little nuanced pieces of uh Set dressing and just it's the liaison set so well. is yeah. incredible in that sequence. It's, a, it's probably a, maybe a little too much. I guess you could you could accuse it of. Perhaps, but when you compare it yeah. to something like Fifty Eight Dunkirk or Twenty Seventeen Dunkirk, I think it's I think it's up there. I it's definitely oh, up there with with the uh, the original Fifty Eight Dunkirk, yeah. and I think it. it I think Nolan's Dunkirk pales a little bit in that the beach is it's just not, too it knocks, empty. It goes no, too yeah. far the other way.
1: Yeah. It knocks it knocks twenty uh, Dunkirk into a cocked hat because I yeah. I think how can you watch this sequence from atonement? You know, I know it's a war. It's a film set within the thirties and the forties. It's a historical film. Yeah, but for this to do it in the way that it did, I again, mean, it didn't even have to do half of this but it you're, achieved... you, you're over halfway into the film at this point you're not expecting yeah. it no it comes out of nowhere um and you see you see uh, uh james mcavoy and his in his two comrades walking through the french countryside and you've got daniel mays berating the fact that they how they're fighting everything else and then they smell the sea and they go through that that sort of i think it's like reeds or something and they come up at the dunes, bray dunes and it's just yeah it's such a it's a smack of the senses it really is a sensory overload it um it almost does what the gump sequence does in it does it in obviously the gump sequence is nearly 20 minutes of screen time and it overloads you with all these tropes and cliches but then yeah this does it in five minutes with bef on on the beach at dunkirk and it you've not only do you see the men and everything else but dunkirk itself is smashed and you've got um, it's uh, It was Grimsby Ice Factory that was used for the bombed out sequences. Yeah, in the, the beach was a
0: red car, so it was all on the yeah, northeast coast. It. Mm. And it, the, I mean, the, the attention to detail with it is really lovely. I, you've got Vickers gun set up. You've got a Bofors. There's even like yeah. a, a 25 millimeter Hotchkiss anti-tank gun at one point. Yeah. You've got yeah. a, a a London lugger, which is, they apparently had to break it in. Well, they, I think they built it for the film it was four parts they had to winch it in set oh, it the up.
1: the lindy london thames bar yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah um you got that lovely sequence of the lads singing a hymn on the on the bandstand yeah uh, yeah and that that the, bit reminds me of uh,
1: 1917's the Wayfair wayfaring wanderer song i can't remember the exact song yeah yeah i know reminds the me bit, of that yeah,
0: definitely mm. i yeah i think they cram so much into that sequence and it works because you're there with them and your, your senses are being bombarded by all the stuff that's going on. Yep. And the way that it's choreographed, little things are triggering. There's a guy having a brawl with someone. There's someone that's drunk. Someone's vomiting out of a door. Um, yes. French officers shooting his horses, which is grim. Um. The, there's lads knocking out radiators on trucks to, to deny them the enemy. There's lads trying to wade out into the sea. It, It just crams in so much into that. Yeah, it does. There's even a guy hanging off the Ferris wheel. I don't know whether that was based on anything, but that's just—it's just like the level of detail, and that's in like far, far, far background of the shot. It's it proper bats you around the head, but it does it in such a good way.
1: And it does—you know, a thousand extras used. You know, all the Mm -hmm. uniforms were sourced um, from a place in Poland, and then they were weathered by the the production crew. There's a quote here I got from the screenwriter Christopher Hamilton. He said. In screen time, it's not going to be vast. But what you've got to suggest in the narrative of the whole movie is a world war. And the only way you can do that is to be very specific to this time, these men, this military disaster. So they really leaned into Dunkirk as being, because the movie's set in the early war period. So Dunkirk itself is a very important, obviously, very important time for the British people back home. And then you see how it affects the characters afterwards. How it affects the narrative of the actual atonement story as well. But to do it in the grand scale that it did,
0: it's just amazing for it's me. It's a surprise. It's it's a visual mm. surprise. It it it's it's why it's when whenever we talk about Dunkirk now, we have to talk about that film.
1: Yes, I think we do. And that's yeah. that
0: stands up to the testament of well, he could have just done like a little shot of them wading in the sea. Yeah, you know, he have,
1: yeah. He could have gotten getting off of some random pier somewhere and it could yeah. have been the mole or whatever. But the fact you exactly. do that. Um, um and it's obviously and to it's, show the sorry, it's it's obviously to show how it affects the character because he's longing to get home and he's in this mad world
0: of, of, and, of Spoilers, He actually dies of septicemia yeah. there. But yeah. um I think also it's worth mentioning the sequences of um Brownie's character. Brian mm. um the young girl and she's a nurse in London and we we get to see the lads that have been brought back from Dunkirk yes. and there's a whole there's a whole hospital sequence which is is really quite good it's not obviously it's not as immersive as not the Dunkirk grand, sequence, but it's, it's but it's good but it's very effective um but all, all in all I think that is a cracking piece of war cinema in a non-war yeah. movie.
1: It really, really is. And it's, and I know there's this whole argument in it and it'll rage for, for, for decades, but it's, oh, you know, what's the better Dunkirk representation, this, the 58 one or the 2017 one? And I think it's got to be Atonement and 58 have got to be up there on their own rung. And then, unfortunately, uh, if any people disagree, they may work very well. <laughs> Channel this is it. And then I think the 2004 <laughs> uh, BBC Dunkirk series yeah. had a good yeah. crack at it. And then it's got to be 1917's Dunkirk because I don't see, really, I don't see Dunkirk as a true war film. Dunkirk is a art- piece of artistic cinema that is set in Dunkirk. For me, it's not as faithful as a representation as it could be. I know there's historians around that say, no, it's very good. It, not, not all the beach was cluttered like that, blah, blah, blah. But I think when you're trying to do it on film, you need to ramp it up as much as you can. Yeah and out of all of them i think 58 does it the best and i think uh, atonement
0: does it the best for me so yeah yeah it's up there it is and then finally we have cold mountain which is a yeah. film i've never seen all the way through i'll be honest i'll say that now hold my hands up um I think i watched it when i was very young mm, but and i i rewatched the the battle of the Cray- crater sequence um you know because we were going to be talking about it and of course it, it did of course, and it did strike me. It it was it was very effective, and I I think it fits in very much so into that element of um, a filmmaker takes a shocking visceral point and um, uses it to to lay out the backdrop of the rest of the film.
1: Yeah, agreed. It it's of such a, a a grand sequence for what it is for maybe six minutes of screen time as well. It's yeah. the thing of our, our theme throughout this, when we and Matt were talking about, we'll be devising this episode, we were talking about how, you know, for the screen time, some of these sequences get the amount of money, time, detail thrown mm. into these sequences. Is, is is very impressive for everything we've talked about, really, uh, considering the movies, most of the movies we're talking about don't actually, don't need to go into so much detail as they do. It's very commendable. And yeah. it just shows... You know, how good of a a film these films are, that they go out of their way to do this. But uh, this one is set and it re- re- recreates the Battle of the Craters, which was on July uh, 30th, 1864. And it was American Civil War battle. Um, and, it, and it's a set piece that kicks off the film and you see the the Confederacy laying their mines and, and then you see the mine explode and the ensuing hand-to-hand battle. And it's just, it's an absolute, it's carnage on screen isn't it it's
0: so gritty and brutal it is it's a really gritty movie and the 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 sequences of people getting stabbed and people being crushed into the mud the explosion and there's even a a part where um a guy's clothes are bent off him before you see him just disappear yeah
1: that's so like oh my gosh yeah and you've got the the men getting crushed between each other trying to get out of the crater and yeah, the, 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 there's a, a a quote it's not a direct quote but there's a guy says so it's like a, a turkey shoot and that was one of the one of the yeah people there's that a
0: guy like there throwing, um rifles with bayonets fixed down in like into the masses like javelins
1: yes yeah, it's, it's so <laughs> like carnage and then you it's shot in romania that sequence actually um they built that battlefield from scratch and the, the right. director Was saying how they needed two craters, one to blow up and then one to actually work in. So that was interesting. There's a great, some great behind the scenes sequences, Mm. Um, and there's some good hand to hand at the end. Jude Law with a a Lamat revolver saving his friend.
0: Yeah, of course, Um, that was quite
1: good. And I thought, you know, it's just another great little set piece, and it's so well done, and you just don't expect.
0: You don't expect. I was about to to say that. Yeah, you don't expect to do no yeah no it's another example of a very um indulgent yeah that's the piece of cinema and and filmmaking uh and a a large amount of budget as you say i would imagine Mm. going into it to to create a little sequence that granted it provides that mental context not only for the characters but also for the viewer Um, i think i think you're right yeah and it's it's how these how you sell the
1: movie in a way afterwards it's like you know if this start is going to be like this imagine the whole thing that's how i assume it was sold but yeah there was some great that's another great sequence all these ones all these clips we've talked about are easily um, findable on youtube and
0: uh, that's where we watch most of them because they're all clips up these days um, yes people seem to like watching the battles for films with no context
1: yeah it's great isn't it? it's
0: useful for us for this episode is, I suppose. yeah so yeah, yet again thanks for listening do get involved over on the social media um, we're probably most active on twitter at fighting on film but we yeah. do also have the facebook page and you can also check out our website fightingonfilm.com yes please do and we'll catch you next week so thanks for listening everyone thanks guys bye bye bye